0: Hi guys, welcome back to Wild Trigger Stories, a podcast series covering uh, wildlife conservation and photography and a good couple of stories along the way i'm craig
1: and i'm carolina
0: and today we're... we are back for the first time in a very long time
1: yeah i'm excited to be back uh yeah. i want to start by saying sorry that we have been away uh and uh, we haven't really said anything about it anywhere uh, and i have gotten a co- couple of messages and people have been wondering what's happening with the podcast and i promise you we haven't stopped we were just taking a break
0: yeah, um, it's it's been a it's been a hectic couple of weeks from our side. Um, I think uh, we've just been up to a lot of. Th- uh, we had a, we had a plan actually last week to do a podcast, and then I, I got sick.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and Craig was coughing constantly. I'm yeah, like this, and is, like, not this great. is not going to work. No. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, it has been as I mentioned earlier. It's been a very very hectic couple of weeks um, with regards to just work um, and doing trips seeing clients and doing various different things
1: yeah and last time i think we did a podcast together we were in sweden
0: that is true that yeah. is true
1: and then i was in sweden by myself for a bit you were back here mm. you were working a lot and uh, you did a podcast with chris that was really good by yeah. the way well done on that Thank you. i listened to it and yeah i really enjoyed it Um. so then uh, yeah and then i got back and we yeah we've just had a lot of things to do and that's why we we've kind of decided to take a little bit of a break uh, on the podcast just pause that for a bit to be able to come back in full force. Yeah,
0: I I think it's also really important from our side is because we're about to get into the full swing of safari season. Um yes. like we've been building up gradually as from about June, July, August the safari season started to go, but I mean now end of August, September or end of August, September, October that is prime time for uh this far
1: season yeah we have a lot of trips coming up which we are excited to be sharing with you guys and talk more about and uh, but as craig says we like that's why it's good to just take a break and i was talking about this a little bit uh, on my newsletter and stuff as well because i took a break from social media for a few weeks uh, and i just find it very important to do that and like highly recommend that to people Um, uh, that you take Like whatever you do in life and for us we are working with our passion and uh, what we love but it is still very important for us to take breaks uh, so that we don't burn ourselves out doing what we love, you know what I mean? It's so easy to just continue and just keep going, keep going and not really listen to your body of like, okay, you need to take a break as well even though we do what we absolutely love every single day, it is still important to have those breaks where we kind of just shift our minds to something else and focus on other things uh, so that you don't like just do the same thing constantly all the time, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think it's very important um, for anyone in any industry to kind of find time for themselves and keeping themselves kind of just mentally stable and not invest completely in, um, their business and work and now it sounds like I'm saying don't invest in it but I mean that's not what I'm saying I'm saying like you still need to find time for this. let's call them the small things in life
1: no absolutely like I think it's just so important to try to find those breaks and uh, find a little bit of time to to do other things I think that's the most important thing uh, is to not constantly dive into one specific thing because then you're eventually going to like burn out within that side of things, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly, what I'm trying to say, but uh, that you just shift your focus a little bit and uh, find something else to occupy your mind for a little bit to then be able to come back. uh with full motivation and full force to uh, to put 100% into your business for example uh, or whatever it is that you are doing in life and what your passion is it's
0: almost like it's almost like just a quick refuel yes um, exactly that's as what i mean to to avoid stagnance and to avoid yourself getting stuck into like almost a rut mm. um because you know you need time to kind of figure out why exactly you were passionate about that specific project um, in and the long run.
1: Exactly, and remember that passion. Yeah, exactly. I think what we're trying to say as well is not like we have <laughs> burned out and that's right. why we've taken this break, but it's more of like a, a precaution of like, OK, we don't want to end up there because we yeah. know it is possible if you don't take those breaks. And that's why we make sure we take regular breaks uh, and we we ourselves, you know, because we are in charge of our own schedule, we make sure we don't work weekends and stuff. And I think that has been so helpful for us because then we can put 100 percent into the weekdays and mm-hmm. then take the weekends off and uh, don't not feel bad about taking those days off and and not feel guilty about not working uh, and just be able to shift our mindset to something else and i really felt that as you say like that refueling thing and like coming back to what you're passionate about and really feeling excited about it uh, i really felt that when i came back to kruger now uh, mm. after being away yeah, for yeah. a bit and um, not that I don't think I ever really need a break from Kruger, but you know what I mean? I came back and I was just so excited about all the animals because, like, you start taking it for granted.
0: It revived your, like, that, that die-hard passion.
1: Exactly, exactly. Because, you,
0: you know, you, you don't really know. It, it goes down to that, or, or comes down to that age-old saying that uh, you don't know uh, how much you love something until it's gone. Exactly. So when you're away yes. in Sweden for 6, 8, 12 weeks and then you come back and something that's constantly on your doorstep you're like wow yes this, i miss it so much yeah yeah i know the feeling
1: no absolutely and that's what i feel right now when we've taken this break and like coming back to the podcast yeah. i'm so excited about like yeah. we, we've racked up a few topics that we've been talking about that like oh we need to do this on the podcast we need to do this on the podcast podcast and i feel so much ex- more excited about like diving into yeah. it again if that makes sense but yeah, we uh, we have been kind of all over the place for the past couple of weeks, like we mentioned. Uh, you've been to plenty of different reserves with both yeah, guests yeah, and freelancing yeah, yeah. and stuff. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? No, well?
0: Well, I think like the most recent, I mean, it's it's just been all over the place. I think the most recent was um, last week or, or two weeks ago when I was in the Manuleti. Uh what a, what a trip. I mean, just such an amazing reserve. Um this Tinsualu are like probably one of the most hospitable freelancing properties that I I actually work with and they just they're 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 so welcoming and just you know you you almost feel like you're you're part of their their little family when you when you go work there so it's it's such a um it's such an easy stint to do as a freelance guide and I absolutely love it there and it does help that the game viewing is insane
1: so um i actually got a question about it from someone i don't know why they messaged me and not you but mm. they sent me your leopard photo that you posted about, the other day that leopard cub the cub yeah that was beautiful by the way and i was very jealous of that sighting. thank you and they sent me that photo and they were like oh i didn't know many had such good leopard and they were surprised about it
0: so actually on that note they're not they leopards in the manueletti are not like you don't go there specifically for leopard in my opinion i i think it's it's more um they're why is there they're more elusive because of the high lion population they have a high population of lions like i'm talking massive it's in that open gate kind of region so there's about six seven different prides overlapping that area and they're big prides. They're not like prides of five, six different individuals. They're prides of 20, 30 animals. So it's lion viewing is amazing, and that's why you know the leopards are there. They're just a little bit more scared, a little bit more elusive. It's also a lot of rolling plains. Um, so they're, it it's it's not easy to find them. Not really prime habitat for them, but they're there. And um, yeah, they they have in recent years actually started to get pretty stable sightings i mean how many individuals did i see in just a five day period um i think i saw uh we saw the we saw the cub on the first afternoon then the next morning we had a a different female with an impala kill up a tree then we had a young male and then we had another female so we had in five days we had four different sightings of very very relaxed individual leopards so it was... Okay, sorry. Three are very relaxed and then one skittish young male. But it's not uncommon for males to be skittish. So, long story short. <laughs> um, yeah, the, there is decent leopard sightings in the manualetti. If you're going to a reserve and you want to see leopard, maybe don't do the Manialeti. Uh Maybe go Sabi Sands, in my opinion. But there are good leopard... You have a good chance of seeing... Um, a, a decent leopard sighting in the Manuleti. Oh, it's
1: amazing. Is Manuleti, is, is it a good habitat for cheetah rather?
0: Yeah. 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 Um, we had, actually, we had an amazing sighting of a of a cheetah. Um, we watched her uh, in the afternoon. We found her probably about two Ks from the lodge, uh, from Sinsuali Safari Lodge and uh, we watched her from a distance as she stalked some impala and we saw the chase, didn't see the full kill because she ran into the thicket or the tree line and she did bring down this impala and then we couldn't find it for about five minutes. We managed to relocate, and we we saw it just kind of away from this carcass. But we could only just barely see the carcass that was around fifty meters um, from this cheetah, and that we found immediately. Myself and Insoc, on my tracker at the time, said, "No, this is strange." And um, on on further investigation, let's call it, we found a female leopard that had stolen this carcass from this cheetah and um was literally this cheetah was pretty ballsy, like just kept coming back to see if she could scare the leopard away. It was a female leopard and a female cheetah and this and uh this leopard wasn't having it, so we had an amazing sighting of this leopard just charging at this this female cheetah about three or four times to just get her away, and then eventually claimed the carcass and where uh, I suppose what's <laughs> what's most funny about the situation is about an hour and a half later, the leopard didn't. Poised the carcass in a tree, and hyenas came and stole it. So it was killed by a cheetah, stolen by a leopard, to only be stolen by hyenas later that evening. So that's yeah, it was
1: insane. pretty yeah. incredible sighting. It's amazing to see that interaction, especially mm. between such you know rare cats or mm. elusive cats. Yeah, uh, and to see them interact with each other, that's really really special. Yeah, it was wow. uh, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah
0: so uh, all in all, a very very good stint in the Maasai. That's
1: that's so cool, and then we've been in Kruger for few short stints as well correct yeah. yeah um you've been playing a bit of cricket mm-hmm. uh, as usual uh, which you love and when Craig plays cricket I take the chance to drive around the park by myself well, it's great. I don't know
0: have we, have we actually spoken about like the cricket field that's in like the middle of the cricket national park
1: I don't know if, maybe we haven't I think we've mentioned it before but maybe we haven't do you want to talk about it yeah
0: well I mean it's it's pretty amazing like I mean I, I think you know so many people I talk about like in person I talk about the the Cricket field and the golf course, and there are not many people know about it. And like the golf course, I know more people play golf than cricket, but um, he, he, the golf course is unfenced in the middle of the Kruger National Park. I've literally been playing golf and watched a pack of wild dogs run across the fairway, <laughs> so that's and the the cricket field's pretty much the same, it's in the middle of the Kruger, it's in the middle of the Skakuza staff camp, which is also un, an unfenced area. I mean often we'll be sitting after the game having a few beers and um like hyenas will just like walk through the the like changing room area and uh, oh, yeah so it's 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 pretty wild um it's open for people if they're keen to um to come and come and play we often do a lot of touring teams it's not a registered club it's not a a club that we play in leagues it's just it's 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 a pretty cool an amazing uh, cricket field that a lot of people travel from all over the world or teams travel from all over the world to come play at, I mean probably amongst one of the wildest cricket fields in the world
1: that's amazing, yeah. So, yeah so Craig often plays cricket there on on Saturdays, and then I take the opportunity to drive around the park because I'll come and watch for a little bit, but I'm sorry, cricket. It's not your thing it's it's not my thing uh, it's not a swedish thing it's not a swedish thing at all so i'll drop you off and then i i drive around the park for a little bit and i've also had some cool sightings yeah, some good leopard lately uh which has been amazing so and often, often
0: i get the a lot of the guys at the at the club say oh where's your missus we saw you drop you off and i was like look at this guy look where the sun is where do you think she is it's <laughs> early morning the sun's just coming up she's obviously taking photos <laughs> so yeah that's always that's always a fun chat
1: no, 100%. I'm not going to be in the Kruger National Park at sunrise and sunset and not go take wildlife yeah. photos. Like, come on. I can't be missing that golden hour light. It just doesn't, doesn't work for me. Yeah, but it's been good. It's been nice to get back into the park again. And, uh, yeah, as we said, get back into that, kind of revoke that passion again and mm, excitement uh, for the park.
0: Talking about Carolina driving on her own while I'm playing cricket – Um, She actually had quite an interesting experience recently, um, a couple of Saturdays ago, uh, in the park with a very, very busy sighting. And that's what we want to talk about today uh, is busy sightings in the park itself.
1: Yeah, I had uh, as you say, an interesting encounter, interesting situation, let's call it. And I'll tell the it's whole story a bit now. Of
0: an understatement. But, <laughs> <Yeah.
1: you know. laughs> exactly. Um but I'll talk about the whole thing now. But I was posted about it on social media and someone was like, Can't you guys talk about this on the podcast? And I thought it was a really good idea. Um and the thing was what what happened uh was I came to a leopard sighting and already when I'm driving up to the sighting, I'm like, there's a lot of cars. And actually remember, I took a video of it because I was going to like, I was going to make a joke on like a reel or something I was thinking. Um, and I was like, this is how you know there is something is something good waiting for you yeah, uh, yeah. when you see a lot of cars. At the same time, we also all know that sightings with a lot of cars aren't the base thing, maybe. But we do know there's always something cool to watch there when a lot of cars are standing there. So I drove up to the sighting and I find out that there's a leopard in the bushes. And I see that there's Impala, like, maybe 20, 30 meters away. And I'm like, okay, interesting. Uh,
0: not not close enough for anything to happen. but no. like the sighting can progress.
1: Exactly. The leopard is there. The leopard is looking at the Impala. The Impala has not seen the leopard. So, interesting stuff. Mm. And I was like... And that's why I decided to stay. Uh, Because usually with these kind of sightings, I will maybe drive away because there's too many cars and it just gets a bit stressful. We call it
0: a clusterfuck.
1: (laughs) Craig calls it a clusterfuck. Uh, But now, because the Impala was right there, I was like, you know what? Let me actually stay and wait and see what happens. So, I parked off like... To the side of the road uh, to make sure that like cars can still pass, and this is the thing at these sightings. I think we'll dive a little bit more into these things. There is kind of unwritten rules, and there is rules of like how you park at a sighting like this, and you need to, for example, make sure that other cars who do want to pass are able to get through, and that's why I parked on the side and, and made sure that there is space for other cars to drive through, mm-hmm. and then I just sat there and I just waited, and at first it was kind of fun because it was a lot of people watching uh, and seeing how people navigate through the sighting and, uh, and yeah, and I didn't really have eyes on the leopard I actually park, parked, parked right rather by the Impala because I thought if something's going to happen, the leopard is obviously going to come to the Impala, not the other way around. So let me park where I think the action will happen. And, um, and I parked there and I waited and I couldn't, didn't really have visual of the leopard. Um, and then after maybe an hour, yeah, uh, this, Car comes. And it was a brand new car uh, that didn't have any license plates yet and for those who wondered because i got a lot of questions about this on my instagram in south africa when you have a brand new car and you don't have your license plates yet you are still allowed to drive with the car as long as you have your registration number on a piece of
0: paper to get given one by the licensing department that is
1: exactly and that's your like temporary license plate basically that Mm. is on the back back window of your car and so that's why he was able to drive around without these license plates and at first he comes and he's like playing music loud and he's smoking. They were smoking a, um, what's called a Hubbly Bubbly. Or what they
0: call it a, internationally, I think it's known as a Shisha.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, we call it like a water pipe in, in Sweden. Um, And anyway, uh, he was smoking that and he was like kind of being rude to people not being like hello how are you and like greeting people and saying what are you guys looking at which is what you're kind of supposed to do when you're asking people what the sighting is he was just like where's the leopard where's where's leopard and being quite rude to people and then like not really taking time to wait and let other people through to then they take his turn to to get to where you can see the leopard he was kind of pushing his way through driving quite crazy it was a few times i thought it was going to drive into me and I was very nervous because I was driving Craig's car. And I was like, he's going to kill me if there's something, if something yeah. happens with his car. Um, and he was driving very, very close to people and not really being a good... Um, attendee. Attendee or whatever you want to call it. But that was not the worst part. Um, eventually, he pus- he pushes his way through the sighting and he gets to where the leopard is. So this is like maybe three cars in front of me uh, and I see him park there next to the leopard and all of a sudden he is like sitting on his window watching over like like he's sitting like almost like outside his window and mm. uh, watching over his car kind of thing and I was like oh what are these guys doing like this is not great you shouldn't obviously not hang out of your window uh, in, in that way but it only got worse and he climbed up on top of his car and and he was standing on top <laughs> of his roof, watching Sorry. this leopard,
0: Yeah,
1: taking selfies. And then eventually he brought his, what's it called? Shisha. Shisha, yeah. Up on top of the roof and sat there smoking it. And this is maybe like, the leopard is maybe five meters away, ten meters away maybe. I couldn't see the leopard, for, but from what I remember where it was to where he was, he was standing with his car. Yeah, five, ten meters away. And other people who were kind of next to me, they said to me, what is this guy doing? Like, we started talking. We're like, this is crazy. And uh, we started taking videos and photos to try to see if we could report him, obviously. And uh, they were like, the leopard hasn't taken his eyes off this guy uh, ever since he sat on the roof. Because they could see the leopard from where they were standing. Mm -hmm. And the leopard was staring at the guy, obviously, because now he's standing on his roof and... The leopard is like what's going on uh, because the leopard is obviously very used to just the shape of the vehicles but now something on, like out of the ordinary is happening and uh there was co- people who were driving past um tried to like get him down and try to uh, tell him like you're not allowed to do this like what are you doing you you have to get down uh, and he would just like wave like wave at them and like completely ignore them and like take selfies and was being quite Arrogant, arrogant, hundred percent. Eventually, the leopard gets up and walks away, and I and it just walks past the impala, and didn't try to take it, like get a chance on on mm. the impala. And I, I don't know if I think that was possibly because this guy was standing on this vehicle that the impala that the leopard was like. No, it's it's natural.
0: I mean, that nip ne- that lip is not if it's that close to the road, I wasn't in the sighting, but I mean, it's immediately going to feel a little bit nervous. Mm. You know, there's now an individual that has broken the shape of the vehicle. is now moving in a very strange way. It is, that is going to make that leopard feel a lot, a lot more nervous. And yeah, he, he probably, he is without a doubt, the reason that sighting basically broke down.
1: Exactly. So like the leopard walks away and uh, where I felt like I was winning was that the leopard walked straight past my vehicle, and I was parked perfectly to get a nice sighting of it walking in the bush. So that was a win for me. But uh, I was obviously also pissed off with this guy for ruining the sighting and obviously altering the leopard's behavior, mm. essentially. Um, luckily the leopard was very like confident and walked up on the road and now was like just walking in front of all these cars uh, and was scent marking and doing its thing so it was it was not skittish and wasn't nervous in that way which was which was good and and lucky in that way but now that the leopard has moved this guy obviously wants to get to the leopard again but now he is further back behind all these cars so he started pushing his way through the cars again and I was parked basically the wrong way around so I had to start reversing because of the leopard moving and everything and so I had to start reversing so I'm trying to like navigate my way reversing with like mm-hmm. 50 cars in front of me and I think most of the people you know understood what situation I was in and they were being respectful and like not pushing me to go faster or anything but this guy comes and like starts pushing and uh, driving too close and stuff so I, I flash him with my headlights uh, because I didn't want to like use the hooter and everything and which he had been doing earlier by the way and which he was doing while he was pushing his way through the sighting this time as well and but i flash him with my headlights to signal like stop it like you you can't be doing this and then he drives up next to me off road note that i was on the side of the road and he drives up to me on the side on the bush side so he's completely off road which is not allowed in the park at all And he rolls down his window and this is where I just, I just know he was, he was looking for shit and he was, he did this on purpose. He was planning this. And as he rolled down his window, I'm like, what you're doing is absolutely unacceptable. You can't, you can't act like this. This is not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And he says, I'm sorry, my love. I'm sorry, sweetheart.
0: Condescending prick.
1: (laughs) I was so angry. Honestly, if I could have, I would have slapped him. Like, if I was actually... If we were not in the cars, yeah. I would have slapped him. Yeah. But, yeah, I was I, I was fuming. Uh, and then he drives away, and um, way too fast. And, um, yeah, <clears throat> I was able to get out of the sighting, and I just saw him driving probably, like, 80, uh, when the speed limit is 50, uh, driving away. But I was just... I was so flipping angry.
0: And understandably so, but, like, I think so much is wrong with the situation. yeah, yep. And um, I think it's so right that we talk about it because I think it's from what I've heard and seen, I've seen a lot um in the Kruger uh, in the national park itself. And I think there's a couple of questions that we need to kind of just answer. And there's a few, because there might be people out there that are listening that have never come to Kruger and go like, Oh, we're we not allowed to do this because there's a lot of confusion within various national parks uh, with regards to how do we behave? Because when you come on safari in South Africa, you're not allowed to stand up. But in Tanzania, you're allowed to stand up. Never are you allowed on a roof. No. Regardless. Yeah. Um, at least in areas I've operated in. But let's start from the beginning. Let's talk a little bit about the do's and don'ts of a busy sighting. And um, the how many funds this individual could have actually got Yes um, And unfortunately the reason why he wasn't caught Was the lack of a registration plate He was yeah. very close to a gate And it was very, very, very disappointing That no one actually caught this man But it was, so, it was so close to gate closing hours No registration number Description of a vehicle Just there's so many vehicles on a Saturday And the crew gets just so, so, so difficult um, But so on entry to the sighting This specific individual um starts pushing his way through and i mean clearly in rules is you need to like carolina you said people driving on the left hand side pull off you're allowed two tires off the road that is the rule you're allowed no more than that but keep two tires off the road because in gen- generally speaking if there's a busy sighting and both lines of vehicle on the left and on the right are both have two line um uh wheels off the road there's a path going down the middle, that people can still bypass the sighting, get through, because the Kruger National Park is not only about animal viewing. There's a lot of research, a lot of conservation, a lot of security going on in the reserve. People need to get through those sightings to actually do their day-to-day job. So I'm going to state there, for people that cause these clusterfucks, please keep that in mind. And you seeing your leopard is maybe stopping someone from saving a rhino's life. Look, that's a bit extreme. But just just bear that in mind. Um, leave that gap open. Then we get into the situation of hooting. I mean, that is just inconvenient. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be on the side that it doesn't necessarily affect the animal's behavior. They hear so many weird things on those roads that I don't think hooting, unless the animal is really, 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 really close to the road, uh, I think that would really negatively impact the, the animal's behavior. But a leopard sitting off um 20 meters into the bush i don't think the hoots is gonna affect it maybe for a brief moment um but i mean it's just really 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 inconvenient for uh, it's, it's rude yeah. and
1: it's yeah, and it's yeah it's annoying and we i think we've all we've all done it accidentally
0: yeah, I've I touched the hooter multiple times.
1: I accidentally did it in a wild dog sighting the other day, and I felt so embarrassed. But, you know, especially as a photographer, when you're moving your camera and stuff, you accidentally yeah. press, press the, the hooter. So we've all done that. And, we all, and I think everyone also in the park knows when it's done accidentally and nobody really judges. But when you're doing it to get people to move, move. and, yeah. like, because you can't be patient enough to just sit and wait, then then it's very rude and it's very disturbing to everyone else just ruining, you're just ruining the experience for everybody. Uh, and as you say, like maybe it doesn't affect the animal that much, but it does ruin the experience for everyone. Yeah, outside. it can
0: affect the animal's behavior, but in general, mm-hmm. they they hear so many weird things. They've become so accustomed to what happens on those roads. But again, end of the day, it should not happen. Yeah. That is actually one of the rules of driving. Do not hoot.
1: Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Sorry, were you going to say? No, something? go ahead. Uh, I wanted to, wanted you to elaborate a little bit there because I think that was a very good point that you made there about standing up and how how come you can do it in Tanzania and you can't do it in South Africa, and uh, and then I have a follow up question to that, but start there. So
0: some, it's we'll actually never know the answers. It's just government. It's just different government regulations. But um, in Tanzania, they have pop up roofs, as you will know, as you do your workshops up there. Have pop up roofs that you can pop out and you can stick your head out, Um, but it's generally a closed vehicle with uh, maybe the pop up roof is maybe a meter, so you can just kind of pop your head up, but you still got a roof covered uh, covering your head. So, unless you're moving really quickly in the gap that is split between the roof that's popped and the car itself, the animal is still kind of seeing you as one shape, but in
1: also, can I say there, correct me if I'm wrong? Yeah, the animals in Tanzania are used to that yeah, shape. Yeah,
0: it's all it's all it, it's 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 all relative. I mean, it's um, it, you know, it's what the animal has been exposed to most in mm. whatever country. So. Um, if we go into uh, the vehicles that you m- are mainly in Kruger National Park, that, which is the public completely closed vehicles, mm. uh, even moving a lot while you're in that vehicle, it doesn't really affect the animal because they're not really seeing into the window. So that's fine. But as soon as you start hanging out your vehicle, sitting on your window, you've become more of an individual. That movement's a lot more prominent into that animal's uh, uh, eyesight. So it's immediately going to focus on this weird movement, and that makes that animal nervous because it's something it's not used to. Um and um, then you cross the line of going climbing out your car. Yeah. Um and that just that just fucks the whole sighting. Um and then onto your roof, and that that's just that that is just wanting to cause trouble. There was this arrogance about this individual that you you can just see that he does not care about anyone and he's there to make a point that he wants to show everyone that he doesn't care about anyone else except himself. And, um, yeah, he's, it's, it's, it's just blatant arrogance and, it,
1: it, am i right by saying like basically him standing on the vehicle like that is basically the same thing as if you walk out of your vehicle and you stand on the ground like you're becoming an individual you're becoming you a individual. Thing on two two legs
0: yeah you are but you've now unfortunately with climbing on your roof you've got the that the, the height the height advantage so basically the animal is still going to see you as because you're now you're, you're still quite taller you're a lot more taller than that animal so it's you're still quite intimidating so the the chances of aggressive behavior are minimal from an animal like a leopard that can't risk injury as they're solitary um but it, you know it's still going to negatively impact that animal's going to feel that much more intimidated that it's going to move away and you then spoiled the sighting for the other 20-25 people that are in there waiting for this leopard to maybe make a move on these impala so it it is just wrong regardless but it is the same from a uh, you you will see two different behaviors from the same cat if you just get out your car and start walking on the road compared to if you're climbing on the roof. Mm. Both nervousness, but you'll get two different reactions.
1: Okay. And uh, on that topic then, my follow-up question is because... Yeah like we spoke about like the animals in Tanzania are more used to th- those vehicles that have those pop up roofs yeah. so it's they kind of used to those shapes and it doesn't really affect them negatively when when you look through those those yeah. uh, and also just for, to explain for those who don't know what those vehicles look like you never have more than like basically your shoulders and your head
0: it's literally just your head Yeah. yeah you, you could probably get your camera out cuz i remember when we were there um, or when we've been there it's you're you're, you're it's almost I wouldn't say difficult but you have to stand on something to kind of if you want to get your camera out there it's just shoulder exactly. it's not you're not exposing your whole body
1: no exactly so that's why also it's basically just your shoulders mm-hmm. and, and and your head uh, so that's why it's also it's not your whole body being out of the like in that and, and
0: the golden rule just in general is to just move slow
1: Exactly. Especially when something is close by yeah. uh, it's, it's about moving slow and, and not making like sudden noises and stuff. Just make sure that the animal is more comfortable. But what I was going to ask you about there is uh, someone asked me what the difference there is with him standing on his roof and a tracker sitting on the front of the vehicle uh, like we have in the private reserves in South
0: Africa. So, you know, private reserves. we've got so many different ways, rules and, um, happenings in 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 the reserves in south africa and uh, private reserves it, it's all again it's all relative um tanzania kruger national park the greater kruger national park which is the private sector of the kruger national park um, and yes the tracker sitting on the front of the vehicle exposed again animals in that area are accustomed to that situation but now someone will counter counter my statement there saying but if it's greater Kruger National Park, animals can come in from anywhere. What if animals come in and are not exposed to that? It comes down to your guiding ability because you don't have to deal with the public. You only deal in the private reserves, public can't just drive around. You as the guy you you're it's orchestrated by guides, not uh no no random public vehicles that aren't qualified. You have to be a qualified guide to drive around the park working for the lodge. But That's a whole different story. But going back to if an animal has come in, it comes down to your guiding intuition and tracking intuition of um, basically seeing that this animal is unhappy. What can this animal be? I don't recognize this animal because most of the animals that would get aggressive with a tracker being on the front are cats and territorial individuals being a little bit okay. And I've had to do this multiple times in my career. Say, hang on, let's try something different with approaching this animal. Call your tracker inside, let him sit in the vehicle. And 90% of the time I've found when this has happened, animals completely calm. It's because it's now seen different and it's seen something that it's more used to. And um, yeah, so bring your tracker into the vehicle. Guides out there that you're listening, bringing your tracker into the vehicle. If an animal is more skittish that you don't recognize, do that. will it will make a difference so that's the that's the biggest difference and going back to the question was animals have just become more accustomed to the trackers sitting there and they're used to it it's it's basically part of their day-to-day
1: so it's basically the same for them as seeing a car in kruger Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. and then like you said sometimes animals will come in from the kruger park because it is open into the private reserves yeah. but then they might react differently and that's they, where you just need to handle the situation and
0: you need to be you need to be switched on with that as a guide mm. because you need to be able to pick up that basically the first few things that that you start picking up on is so let's simulate in an, an, a, um, a situation i'm driving with guests my track is on the front i see three male lines on the road uh 100 meters in front i, I go immediately all three of their are looking and they fixated on me they're looking at me. That's not out of the uh, out of the ordinary. Generally, first vehicle that finds a sighting, they're all quite interested in. You drive up, but the first sign that would be is one would get up because I'm now driving in the Sabi Sands Game Reserve. The lions we generally recognise are all quite relaxed. One gets up. Okay, well, as soon as you see a change of behaviour, you switch off the vehicle. Slowly try get. Then your next your next sign would be ears kind of low, trying to stay then immediately from there when those behaviors the behavioral changes happen immediately go hang on who are these lions we don't know them because you're getting a complete and different uh behavioral uh, analysis almost you're assessing this behavior and not recognizing it to 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 your usual candidates in that reserve so then you can kind of make the decision as to where what what we're going to do First thing in a private reserve is you call it on the radio and you say, let's make this a one-vehicle sighting because we don't recognize. within Between you and your tracker, you'll be able, if you've worked on the reserve for a while, you'll be able to identify if those lions are from there or not. Say, so, okay, cool. Bring the tracker in. See if you can get to a safe distance. And just respect the animal's space. That's the most important rule.
1: And when you say bring the tracker in, you mean... Yeah. Bring him off
0: the... Leave the sighting. Leave visual of the lions. Bring him off the seat into the car Mm. and then try approach the sighting again. And in my opinion, nine times out of 10 in the private reserves or the Greater Kruger National Park, that will make a massive difference. Mm. And um, then from there, kind of just regulate it because in the private reserves, you can regulate it to what you want. The man that finds the sighting runs that sighting. If he doesn't want two vehicles in that sighting, he doesn't have to. Two vehicles or she. My apologies. Sorry, Carolina. Um, He, she... They um, uh, don't want uh, anyone else in the sighting because they feel it's going to scare the animal. You make that call. As a guide, never feel scared to put other people in their place and say, I don't recognize these lions. We're going to scare them if we, over, if we overwhelm them with vehicles. Don't be afraid to do that. Put your foot down because basically, I've seen it happen. Actually, recently in the Magnoletti, I saw literally skittish lions obviously a pride from Kruger, not really used to animals off-roading and people just came into the and sighting. Vehicles off-roading. Vehicles off-roading. What?
1: Animals always
0: off-roading. Oh, no, animals <laughs> off-roading. I am <laughs> But yeah, I saw it and um, said, guys, let's be sensitive with this sighting. These animals aren't used to. This pride it comes from Kruger National Park um, and guys just started to go off-road and guess what? 24 lions just hightailed it. And then what did these guys do? They just kept chasing these lions. Mm. And I was like, settle down. Guys, mm. just... Take it easy. One vehicle, there's a road right here. Why must we chase them off-road? Let's just go. The road bends around, got onto the road, went around, and there, all 24 of them were lying next to the road because I stayed on the road.
1: Yeah. Because that's another thing that, you know, animals in Kruger are not used to vehicles off-roading. So that's also a thing that you have to be careful with when they come in from Kruger into the uh, The private private reserves. reserves. And um, am I right by saying as well, like you can... um, you can basically make the connection and it's it's almost the same thing like an animal coming from Kruger seeing a tracker on the vehicle for the first time being scared of that. Mm. That is almost the same thing as when you get animals coming from very uh, remote areas of the park where there's no vehicles at all moving into a, a area of the park where yes. there is vehicles for example and they haven't seen a lot of vehicles for the first time. There's also a different reaction to vehicles in general because they're not used to what a vehicle is and what a car is am i right by saying that
0: you're absolutely right by saying that i think um when often it happens is you take it for granted in um in the private reserves is you will especially in the sabi sands because i spent a lot of time in the sabi sands in my career and um generally the leopards in the sabi sands are so relaxed but we saw it on multiple uh, on multiple occasions where individuals would come in from kruger and naively you go oh there's a leopard let's kind of establish a sighting and it would be perfectly in a tree you'd be establishing because you think it's going to be a relaxed individual and off you go and suddenly the thing's out the tree running 50 kilometers an hour away from you and you go oh i just spoiled the sighting and you know if i could go to myself in my younger years and go right why don't i just sit on the road look with my binoculars first because that's what i do now and i go let's see this animal's behavior and if this thing's sitting up in the tree looking at me at the car, co- it, it immediately says like a the normal standard territorial leopard in the Sabi Sands that is habituated, it's still gonna be sleeping in that tree when you are on the road. It's not even gonna pay you notice. And then you go ten meters in, see if you've seen a behavioural change. If you haven't seen a behavioural change by then, go straight up. It's fine. But generally, if you've come across a new individual, number one, that individual is gonna be really really nervous about the area it's in because it's now in a new area there's other leopards it needs to be aware of it's not in its comfort zone and now you've got a vehicle that's just going screaming through the bush to go look at it just think about it empathize it's not going to be a happy individual and again it's it's one of those things that you just need to kind of watch and monitor because we're all out here for the best of these animals looking out for the best of these animals so yeah
1: it's all about just, you know, as you say, approaching the sighting in, in a different way. Uh, sorry, not in a different way, but like approaching the sighting with caution uh, exactly. and just, just seeing how is this animal reacting to me being here? Is it okay for me to come closer? And uh, and I feel like that's the case with any animal, okay. Right?
0: You know what? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And it builds excitement for your guests as well. Mm. You go, guys, there's a leopard over there. Let's Let me just... It takes you 30 seconds to pull out your binoculars and just go, right, okay. This leopard's looking straight at me. I don't think this thing is too confident. We're going to have to just sit it out and wait for it to get relaxed. Mm. And, you know, that's the way you can... That's the way how you can build this this confidence in these individuals. And, unfortunately, this is why reserves, some reserves, I'm not going to name them, don't have relaxed leopards because guides get so excited Mm. about seeing one that, okay, this leopard's perfectly fine with you being on the road. But as soon as it's like, oh, a leopard, off-road, crushing through the bush, and they've lost it. Mm. Because that leopard's behavior hasn't gone past, okay, I feel comfortable with them on the road. Mm. But now as soon as they're in the bush with me, I'm not feeling so comfortable anymore. Mm. I'm not feeling too cool with this. Mm. And it never gets beyond that, because people just constantly chase their tail. And that's why they, they're, not, they're not settling down and being habituated correctly.
1: So back to a little bit of like the Kruger and stuff because I think people probably find this quite interesting with this behavior and Mm. you know of, of the animals. Um, and back to Kruger a little bit. I, I thought maybe we must just clarify as well because, uh, yeah, in case anyone is confused, we have spoken about it before. But that the, you know, in Kruger we have the public sector, which is where you can go into the. It's a public part of the park. That's where I was when this sighting happened, and where we had all yeah. these cars. And you go in with your private car, and you're allowed to drive or, drive around. And then we have the private sector where you have privately owned. Land that is open to Kruger in the sense that there is no there is no fences, so the yes. animals can walk wherever they want. But you, the it's privately owned, and there in those areas only qualified guides uh, drive for the who yeah. work for so the the lodges th- and so on.
0: Sorry,
1: no, on. continue. So
0: the the fences came down at various times, depending on the reserve in the Greater Kruger National Park, to create more space in the ecosystem. Mm. Um and it it just, it also creates genetic diversity between species. So they also, number one, they have more space to travel, more space to feed. And also um, from a genetic diversity point of view, animals from this part of the park will then travel into that just for if, if anyone didn't understand why it was like that. But the rules still apply that anyone in the Kruger National Park cannot traverse the greater Kruger National Park and anyone in the greater Kruger National Park cannot traverse the Kruger National Park Without paying the if you if you want to go to the Greater Kruger National Park, you have to pay the large prices and you have to pay the consolation levies in. So yeah. that's why you're <coughs> just not allowed. One's private, one's public.
1: Exactly, one is private, one is public, and you can't just swap between the no. two and drive like that. And um, but I think what's interesting here is because we talk about behavior and mm-hmm. and so on of the of the animals, and also want to mention you know that uh, this is. Because sightings are regulated as you say, and controlled by guides and there's often a um in now i 'm talking about the private area of yeah. the park there's often a um two vehicle you know, maximum at at each sighting, depending on what the animal is. Like, if you have, like, a big herd of buffalo, maybe it will be three vehicles.
0: Depends. It depends on the reserve as well, so, yeah. It
1: depends on the reserve. But there's a limit to how many vehicles you're allowed to be there. Mm So you would never have a clusterfuck, as we call it, in a private area of the park. Um, And that is also why it is more expensive to stay at these private lodges exclusivity. because it is a more exclusive exper- experience So that is a big difference that we talk to all of our guests about uh, when they are looking for different experiences and booking through us uh, that, you know, it depends on what yeah. you want out of your experience. And if you are looking for a budget safari, are you willing to give up the exclusivity that you get with a private reserve, yeah. for example? Um, but what I want to get back to was someone also asked me, um, with the public sector and with the all of these cars in the public sector, uh, does that affect the animals negatively to have all these cars at a sighting?
0: So, uh, actually, I saw it on social media. Um, another content creator reached, uh, recently posted a little reel and uh, basically saying that he he feels the sightings, that they have deteriorated in Kruger because of the number of vehicles. Um, so I think it's two different questions here, but I want to touch on both of them mm-hmm. because, so I'm going to start with yours, which I think it does, um, but it doesn't if, if people are behaving accordingly. Mm. So with people, with the amount of vehicles that are sighting, um, it's always important to give the animal space, mm. but if some people don't. Mm. But often what I've seen with behavioral, from a, from, um, a behavioral monitoring point of view, is animals that are uncomfortable with the road, it's amazing to see them walk. So often you'll see a cheetah or a leopard cross the road and they will walk casually, walk casually, walk casually, and as they touch that tar, they run across the road because they know that's where there's so many so much activity happening. And then as soon as they've crossed the road, they settled again because they know no one chases them. Mm. Um so I think it's just important for for vehicles to respect their space, but I don't think to an to an extent it doesn't necessarily negatively impact the 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 animal if there's a large amount of cars there.
1: Because I think that's that's such a good point that you're making there, and this is what I was explaining. Unless it's person. a
0: unique species, sorry, sorry. Oh yeah. Uh, unless it's an animal that's come out of one of those massive areas in Kruger that doesn't have a road. And all of a sudden, it's now next to the road, and you understand what then I'm saying. Then they might saying. get yeah. scared of it. Yeah,
1: but at the same time, that's that's what I was getting to was that there is massive areas of Kruger mm. National Park where there's no roads whatsoever. Exactly, people can sometimes, you know, you get comments on social media of people who actually don't really know what they're talking about when they talk about these reserves.
0: Keyboard and, conservationists.
1: Yeah, and they they are like. Yeah, you know safaris are destroying the animals habitat and and uh and we you know we are destroying the animals lives and so on and the thing is uh what people forget is that it's not like the whole park is filled by roads and you can drive everywhere and the animals can't go anywhere where there's no cars yeah. there is massive areas of the Kruger National Park where there's no roads whatsoever. And that, when we say massive, what is it? 100,000
0: hectares? I think the largest block is about, yeah, just under hundred k, 100,000 hectares.
1: That is huge. And in that block, there is no cars, no, ro- no roads, yeah. no lodges, no houses, nothing. nothing. It is completely wild. And for those areas to continue to be wild, we need the areas of the roads where there is public, where there is tourism that is paying for the reserve and for, for Kruger National Park to keep running and pe- yeah. keep protecting these animals. But I think what's also what people also forget is that it's not only those massive areas. There is also, when you're driving in Kruger National Park, if you've ever been to these national parks, you know that there is many times and there's long periods of times where you see no animals whatsoever yeah. at all. You'll be driving for a whole hour without seeing a single animal because they are in the block exactly. and as soon as they are maybe 30 meters off the road you yep. won't see them
0: especially in summer in summer it's even less it's like, yeah. like 10 5, 10 meters off the there road there's been
1: times where there been, there was wild dogs remember the remember time the
0: guy nearly drove over yeah, yeah I remember there that there was
1: wild dogs literally a meter off the road not
0: even it, it was literally right off the top
1: yeah and it was, it was yeah, just in the grass In the grass and this guy was driving and he didn't see the wild dogs and we had to like shout at him to stop because he almost drove over the wild dog uh, because he couldn't see it and that's yeah. that's the thing uh, the animals if they want to get away from the cars if they don't feel comfortable of uh, with the cars they can so easily just disappear into the bush and we won't see them and they won't be bothered by the cars and i think that is such a key thing that people forget when they see these videos of animals on a road with vehicles It they know that the road means cars And if we are here, there's a potential of these big things that... They're not
0: stupid. No. Animals are not stupid.
1: And if they don't feel comfortable with that, they very easily can get off the road. Yeah. um, And and disappear into the bush. And I think that's such a big key thing that people forget when they talk about
0: these things. Going back to the next question from what I saw with this content creator on Instagram, he was like, we're letting too many people into the Kruger National Park, where there's just so much vehicle traffic. That's why we're not seeing animals No no. The fact of the matter is Let's take this year as a whole If you think further than Just vehicles and animals Think about conditions Think about what has happened this year We received one of the highest amounts Of rainfall That Kruger has ever seen Um, And There's just more water around That's Mm. why they're not The roads were designed to be around key water sources So in winter We would see more game. And it's cleverly done, well done, because you want to put the roads next to the water sources so guests have better sightings. But this year was a very unique year. So there's a lot of seasonal pans within these massive blocks that are still holding water Mm. Um, and uh, that usually don't at this time of the year, Mm. but now are because of the excessive amounts of rain we've had. So it, it just goes to if guides are thinking like that and content creators and... You know, just just think a little bit more about like what is actually happening, why it, it's not always the most obvious answer. No. Yeah, just think a little bit more about what we've experienced.
1: I also feel that people are complaining more about how busy the park is and yeah. uh, talking more about this because remember it wasn't long ago that we went through lockdown mm. when. The park shut down completely for a couple of weeks, and then uh, I think it was June twenty twenty. We it opened up again. You and I were here. That
0: was amazing. Do you remember we saw like at eleven o'clock in the it morning was saw like wild dogs on the road? I'm yeah, like, that's unheard of.
1: It was amazing, mm-hmm. and that was a thing like. I remember we we drove in to the park. You weren't even allowed to stay inside the yeah, park yeah, yet yeah, because yeah. it was still closed visits. down. Yeah, yeah. So we drove in on day drives uh, back and forth, which w- was exhausting. But uh, but it was cool and it was a really unique experience because there was barely any cars around. Like yeah. on the busiest roads, we would drive for an, ha- an hour without seeing a single car because it was lockdown. Nobody was traveling to Africa. Yeah. Inter- interprovincial travel wasn't allowed either.
0: Yeah, uh, so it was, it was literally just... A- but Pumalanga and It was only
1: Pumalanga and Limp- 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 Limpopo residents that were allowed into the park, so it was dead quiet. And then you see more because, one, the, the animals are on the road yeah uh, because there's no cars no on the road. Nobody's disturbing them. No Nobody's disturbing them. And, uh, and you, you also, it's like quiet, and then you notice there's no cars whatsoever. And it's been like that for a while, not that extreme, but it obviously gotten progressively busier but i feel like this is the first year that we are getting back to a hundred percent for what it was before lockdown and i think people have forgotten what 2019 was like in the park and i would say it was it's the same now as it was 2019
0: i think even more so i would say yeah it's getting there but i think and I'm, i think it's amazing uh, because you've got 2018 and 2019 were record-breaking years for south african tourism and um they did predict 2022 and 2023 sorry 2023 and 2024 are going to be um above and beyond the numbers of 2018 and 2019 and i think that's amazing um that and yes the park is going to be busy and i I really just think it's um it's entitled south africans uh that are so protective about what we have um Mm -hmm. And actually, they're, they're the ones that are causing most of the problems. Generalization, please, just need to add on that. It's not everyone, but South Africans are generally the ones that cause most of the issues in the park. I'm going to say that uh, because it's true. And they're the first ones to blame the tourists. But one thing about European tourists and American tourists, when they're in a wild area, they do read the rules. How many South Africans that are listening here read that rule book in Kruger National Park? Not many. So just want to put a bit of judgment out there. But again, generalization, I know there are some really, really, really well-behaved South Africans out there.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's a good thing to mention. And that's the thing, I think people are getting a little bit crazy about this whole busyness because we've gone through a period where it hasn't been busy because right. of of COVID and lockdown yeah. and everything. And, and I think it's just important to uh, to state that, that I think we are feeling like it's busier than normal because we've gone through a quiet period Uh, and it's nothing out of the ordinary in that way but i also wanted to uh before we like wrap this up just kind of talk a little bit more about like because we don't want to scare people away from the crew like it's constantly like this and i want to talk a little bit about our tips and tricks for avoiding the cars because it is possible to avoid the crowds yeah and there is a few things that we follow and tend to do to avoid the crowds and anyone who has been on a trip yeah. with us to kruger any of our guests who've been on a trip with us to kruger know that we've had sightings amazing sightings where we've been the only car
0: yeah i think i i, I think you're 100 percent. there's always ways to avoid the crowds um now i would give and i always, I, I every chance i get i need to roast this road. Um, because I think it's the most overrated road in the Kruger National Park. S100. If correct. <laughs> if you're staying at Satara, don't take the S100, no. because every single person is going to take yeah. it. And um, because it's this famous road, and I think I've probably had a handful of lion sightings on that road in my entire life.
1: That's the thing. Oh, oh, I'm actually. Oh, I was thinking about it the other day. Like people are saying, it's the best road in the park. No, it's not. And I'm yet. I'm yet to have like a single cat sighting on that road.
0: And every road, like there's so. I, I just think there's so many more better roads than that. But I, I'm not saying it's not good. Some people may have had other experiences, but I've had. If it is the road that everyone's talking about, I've had really bad luck. Um, <laughs> but I, I normally, when we're staying at Titara, I go straight down to uh the h6 straight down onto the h6 and because everyone takes s100 first so generally you're the first one on the h6 if you're out there as gate opens and you're there and how many times have we seen a leopard or a pride of lions on the road remember we had that wildebeest kill
1: exactly so Um, so this there was one time we we saw all the cars we we
0: saw black lions. well they were
1: We saw all the cars driving down to the S100 and we were like, no, 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 let Negative. us continue and let Negative. us do the other way around. And we took the TAR, so the H6, uh, which is a parallel road for, to the S100 for anyone who is very confused about mm-hmm. what we're talking about at the, moment, at the moment. All of a sudden we're driving and there is lions on a wildebeest kill, maybe 10 meters off the road. And we sat there for an hour and we were the only car there. And they and were
0: fighting with hyenas. They
1: were fighting with hyenas. Uh, just to explain what Craig is talking about, when you talk about the black lines, they were filled with mud, so they looked very rainy. dark.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it was raining, so it, it wasn't real black lines. But um, but that was fantastic. And then we drove S one hundred, and we asked people what they had seen, and they had seen nothing. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's one tip is to avoid the most popular roads because they are gonna be filled with cars.
0: I also think that you know one of the uh, another tip that we can give people is in winter you know the the tar roads are generally the most driven roads um and I think you need to follow the water sources um and a lot of the water sources are off dirt roads Mm. and I think in the dead of winter there's nothing wrong with just sitting at a dam Mm. and waiting it out because Mm. If there was something there the night before, the afternoon before, there's chances that they're going to come to the water. So, spend time. I'm not saying spend your whole morning, but sit for five, ten minutes mm. and wait at this dam and see if something pops out then move on.
1: But same thing, hot afternoons in winter as well. Correct. Uh, if it's hot, so late winter when it's, you know, very hot and it's very dry, sit an afternoon at a waterhole and you might see a lot. We We spent like two three hours this was in the middle of the day though but Mm -hmm. at a waterhole with a guest uh, a couple of months ago and we saw like there was just constantly animal, new animals coming through. Yeah, and that,
0: uh, yeah, I remember. It was
1: like, oh, here was a big herd of elephants and you just watched all the elephants and then a herd of impala came and then giraffe, and giraffe came and, and, and there
0: and, was a rhino that came. Yeah, it? yeah I mean, exactly. It was,
1: yeah. And I think, uh, so that's a tip, but to just spend some time and be patient at mm. waterholes that way because then you never know what will happen. But I think also back to, we were talking about S100 and H6, I would say that's like one of the only occasions where I would rather drive a tar road than yeah. a dirt road. In general, the dirt roads will be quieter
0: Yes, uh, correct.
1: because the tall roads are usually main roads that go between big camps yeah. and so on. So then dirt roads are, are a better idea. Uh, and, you know, try to just not follow the crowds that way. Yeah. But then also another tip, um, most people might know this already, uh, especially if you've been to the park in New South Africa. And you probably know this, but the north is definitely more quiet than the south. The south yeah. is close yeah. to it's closest to Johannesburg, and it's close to big towns like Nelspruit, and you know, and it has the most entrance gates. It got got the most big camps, so the south is bound to be busier.
0: It's the most conveniently located area of the park.
1: Exactly, um,
0: and that's why it is the busiest. Like you just mentioned, it's got the most camps, mm. and all those camps are very well equipped yeah. with anything you would need on a, uh, <laughs> let's call it a glamping experience. Yeah, because you know, half half the people tend to forget something. I'm not I'm not judging anyone that does forget something. Half we forget something every single time we go yeah. to Kruger. Um, but it's equipped for those for people that forget stuff exactly um but up north, I mean it's a lot more remote. it takes you longer to get up there and I've always called it like the um the avid safari goes mm. head up there um and the very, very keen people that are out there for three weeks, yeah, and they go up to the north because it's more people that are experienced mm. in in the camping game or the bush bush environment and they'll go up there and they don't necessarily care about the quantity of animals they Mm. care about the quality of your sighting Mm. the um the the quietness around everything i mean we were up in the north and i think we've spoken about this multiple times at chingwedzi and we sat with a female leopard and on an impala carcass and there were three cars and she was on the road yeah um and all those three cars were our friends, yeah exactly yeah. for an hour and a half so i mean that's that that's what you get in the north and you look harder and you search harder for your stuff but it is a way of avoiding the crowds
1: absolutely yeah and i would say the central is a nice mix there the central can get mm. busy but not as busy as the south but uh, it's a nice mix
0: there of for of, sure uh, i think like when we're in the central i think like it's always like if you've had a very busy afternoon with a lot of vehicles, it's always nice to just, if you're at Sotara, for example, it's that's not really central. Um, it's kind of the southern point of central, but like you said, it's that bit of a mix. And then you just duck north to like early fronts, and then it starts to get more and more quiet if you start to head up there. Uh, mm-hmm. Generally up in the north, the camps are a lot smaller, so they house a lot less people. So yeah, it's, uh,
1: And less busy in general, no, exactly.
0: But yeah, tar, I would say in general, either go north, or avoid the top
1: another tip that i want to mention uh, and i know we we're gonna wrap up just now because we're hitting on on an hour approximately uh, but it's been a good it's been a good episode but uh, another tip i want to mention that i don't think many people know about is that take your chances in the south in the summer months but outside of school holidays so i would say yeah. end of january november works because the gate the entrance gate Opens an hour later than the camp gates. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And that is
1: a good tip that not many people know about. Because
0: remember, for those of you who don't know Kruger that well, is you have people that can come into the park that can stay there, Mm. but you can also come in for day trips. Mm. And what Caroline is saying there is the camp gates open uh, earlier than the entrance gates to the to the park itself. And I
1: remember, like uh, we stayed in. Crocodile Bridge in Mm. January because of this reason. That's amazing. Uh, And Crocodile Bridge is a fantastic camp in so many ways and such a beautiful area and a great area for game viewing, but we usually avoid it because it gets super busy and it is right next to an entrance gate. Like yeah. the camp and the, and the entrance is right next to each other. So the the sightings get busy really yeah. quickly. And that's why we decided when we were going in for our project in January, that's why we decided to stay there and take our chance then. And it worked out really Pied nicely. Paid off, yeah, off so nicely because you have a whole hour to get going, get further into the park and find those sightings before the crowds come in through the gate. Uh, because the gates open... Uh, I think 4.30 in... Uh,
0: camp at gates camp open 4.30 and then 5.30. And
1: 5.30 at the entrance, entrance gate. So um, that is just a big tip for big anyone win, yeah. who uh, who's wondering how to avoid the crowds in, in the south. Uh, and highly recommend that.
0: Yeah, I'd say Crocodile Bridge is a good one. And then the other one on the other side, we don't particularly like the camp. But I mean, if you're there, not really thinking about the camp is Malalan because it's also a smaller camp. um, And it's away from Birkendall, which is a slightly camp so if you're out there four thirty the chances of you being first on the roads from Malalan are very very high and the sightings in that area are generally quite good.
1: But I do you need to mention Malalan is that you're gonna hear the town.
0: And you're gonna hear the the, the chickens and the cows. Yeah the because side. it's right next to <laughs> yeah
1: it is right next to the it's for the, to the fence, and that's why we don't like it. You no, see you literally no, exactly. see and you hear the town. Yeah. It doesn't feel very wild. The
0: sugarcane factory across the river and yeah.
1: Yeah so you just need to know all, that. Yeah. But anyway. Um good episode anything before we wrap up any more tips about how to avoid crowds and starting i you
0: know? I, d- I don't know but i mean i'm sure i'm gonna get some messages or we'll get some messages um on instagram about um uh, something i've either missed or someone else that someone else has had a take on mm. uh, or i'm probably gonna need roasted for the south the south african comment on <laughs> South Africans misbehaving, but but
1: that's the I thing. Stand I stand by say, that.
0: I stand by that.
1: But you know what? The guy in the sighting that I was talking about, hundred percent South African, African. hundred uh, percent, he was, and I can I can confirm that because of his accent when I was talking to him. There you go. Uh, so yeah, that is a you know just one example. But um, yeah, anyway, guys. Uh, guys, thanks for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast uh, about the busy sightings. And I think just to to really pinpoint this for any internationals that are listening and anyone who is nervous, like, oh, should we not go to Kruger because there's too many cars yeah. and so on. Uh, please do come to Kruger. Uh, if you need help to avoid the vehicles, there is ways to do it. Please talk to us. You have our emails. You have our contacts. Uh, you know, we will help you out. And uh, it is worth paying that little bit of extra to stay in the private areas to avoid the cars, if that's what's important to you. But also, the Kruger National Park is still a beautiful place to visit, and you can avoid the cars.
0: And you'll still have amazing sightings. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, I don't want anyone to be feel scared
0: of. Yeah, I uh, think it's going to be too busy because no matter where you go nowadays, safari is busy. Yeah. Um, and you just need to be a little bit more cautious on the time of the year you book, where you book and how you book yeah. um, to try and manage how busy the parks are going to be. Tanzania, Kenya, Rwanda, Uganda, South Africa, Botswana, Namibia, it's all the same. Yeah. Um, just there's manage, busy
1: times and there's yeah, less busy just times. Just
0: manage it accordingly.
1: But yeah, thanks guys for listening and we'll see you next week.
0: Cheers, guys.